Hi guys, welcome back to Giant Talk, the world's first OKR podcast. Today, Giant Talk is joined by Mark Homza, co-founder and CEO at Funday, a performance marketing agency. Having been an entrepreneur for over 15 years, Mark is going to talk to us about innovation and why it's important to always be looking ahead. So welcome to Giant Talk, Mark. It's great to have you with us for today's episode. Please can you start by just giving us an introduction um, to yourself? Thank you, Carly. Uh, it's great to be here. Um, I, I think you, you, you gave a, a great intro there. Um, yeah, I've been an entrepreneur for almost 15 years. Um, co-founded uh, Flixel.com about 10 years ago, where we pioneered the Cinemagraph, which was a new uh, visual format, uh, blending still photography and video, uh, and used um, by artists all over the world. Uh, so we, we, we created some some products, Createc, Martech tech products, um, raised lots of money, seated uh, close to 10 million users in 76 countries, Apple Design Award, all that great stuff. The format is, is used uh, today quite a bit in, in, in advertising, uh, across advertising channels. Um, and more recently, uh, since 2019, I co-founded a performance advertising uh, agency uh, now known as Funday. Um, and we focus on a couple of key areas, uh, Web3, is one of our, our areas of expertise and, and the other area is really consumer. So consumer tech uh, and consumer packaged goods are really the areas where, where we focus and we have expertise in and, and, and the agency uh, focuses on offering brand strategy, solving creative problems. Uh, we focus on, on media and attribution um, and then developing content strategies at scale for, for our clients and partners. Thank you. So you've been very, very busy over the, the past 15 years or so. Um, so let's start by delving a little bit deeper into your entrepreneurial journey and how you view innovation. So as an entrepreneur and a leader, how do you keep your finger on the pulse? How do I keep my finger on the pulse? Well, I, I think one of the ways, um, you know, for every entrepreneur to sort of stay on top of things is is, is to uh, surround yourself with, with really great uh, communities of entrepreneurs. Um, so whether that be, you know, get togethers, uh, you know, set up uh, local meetups in, in, in different markets uh, to, to meet with fellow, you know, fellow entrepreneurs who are doing really cool things or, you know, digitally uh, across Discord channels or Telegram channels or Slacks, um, you know, that's one way um, to, to always stay sort of on top of things and, and, and fair. Uh, you know, things that are working and, and, and advice and, and, and seek advice um, is to really kind of, you know, delve into these different communities, both uh, IRL, as we say, in real life, but also leveraging, uh, you know, Twitter and Twitter spaces and, like I mentioned, Discord and things of that nature uh, to create relationships uh, and rapport and, and, and conversations as to how to best sort of help each other and what, what sort of is, is, is going on. And, and the other thing is, uh, you know, I, I, I try and read as much as I can as well on um, the industries that obviously matter to us the most. Um, and, and that's another way where uh, we, we try and stay on top of stuff. And, and, you know, again, and I mentioned IRL sort of meetups, but, you know, we spend a lot of time also in conferences. Uh, so going out to different conferences, whether it be, you know, related to crypto or blockchain all the way to, uh, you know, consumer packaged goods and baby food and, and being part of those, uh, you know, those industries and those cultures and those communities. Um, and again, that gives you a sense of sort of what's coming up, what's happening, what are people thinking, what is the mood? Um, and, and that sort of, you know, certainly helps uh, to stay on top of things. 
And I think especially during, which we'll, we'll delve into, but during times of rapid change and, and the pace of change and uncertainty, mm. it's, it's even more important to, to have those networks and those communities that you can um, come together and, and discuss what, what's happening. And, and, and I guess look at the change in social norms and expectations of, of consumers as well. And um, when we spoke previously before, when we had a uh, catch up before the, the podcast recording, you said that if you don't challenge, you won't grow. Can you just explain what <laughs> you're laughing, but what you mean by this? Yeah, I think, you know, we, we I think we hear a lot of uh, different, you know, business leaders and, and entrepreneurs talk about, um, you know, get out of your comfort zone, get out of your comfort zone. And what does that, you know, really mean? And, it, and what it means is, uh, as an entrepreneur, you're forced. You don't have a choice but to uh, but to grow and to adapt, right? I think uh, the the key word in, in, in is really adaptation to adapt to the, the constant changing realities um, of being an entrepreneur. Because if your business takes off and and becomes successful, it starts to rapidly change and morph, much like a compared to like a raising a young child, right? Mm-hmm. Like that business is very much kind of similar. You, know, you go from crawling to walking to then running to, right. Your, your maturity and your development sort of, you know, increases and accelerates over time. And so as an entrepreneur, you have to get comfortable being uncomfortable because your roles and responsibilities as a leader, you know, from, from, from inception to takeoff uh, are, are, you know, X, Y, Z. But then when you go from, you know, you're now up in the air, so to speak, and you have to continue, you know, going up to 10,000, 20,000, 30,000 feet as your business grows. Well, now suddenly those responsibilities and those asks uh, from your colleagues, from your community are constantly changing. And if you're successful, it means those, that change is coming at a rapid pace at you. So your ability to be flexible, your ability to uh, adapt to these changing realities is is, is critical. And so those are essentially challenges that are coming at you and those challenges are, are pushing you and forcing you to grow. So as an entrepreneur, uh, you have to embrace that. If you don't embrace it, uh, it's going to be a very turbulent, a very turbulent ride. If you embrace it, then you are learning, uh, you're, excuse me, course correcting because mistakes will happen. And, you know, there's things that you can't control in the environment that will hit you and that's Okay. The key is, again, how are you going to react and keep moving forwards and, and being true to your vision and the direction you've set in terms of your goals and milestones and things of that nature. So, yes, it's, it's, it's you know, if you're not challenged, you're not going to grow. And again, the very nature of what we do is that you don't really have a choice. If you do not adapt to that change and those challenges, you, you're, you're not going to succeed. Um, and so it's very critical to embrace the discomfort. And over time, and that's and that's what I love about you know the game of entrepreneurship is that's it's if you you play it well, and you're dedicated to it, it's a marathon. It's not you know something you do for a couple of years, and it's something that hopefully lasts a lifetime. And you get better and better and better because then certain situations, as you start another business, another initiative, you start to see certain commonalities and common factors, and you're like, wait a minute, now I have more experience. Now I know how to. Uh, prepare for this. I know how to maybe even anticipate certain things. And so then you go faster and faster and faster, right? They say it takes about three to sort of four businesses before you really put all the pieces of the puzzle together 
and create something that really is of substance, impact, and, and scale. And why is because, well, after three or four businesses, you have you know, the, the, the scars from your battles, you have all the experience, you have a network, you have people you can rely on and trust and community and right. And that doesn't happen overnight. So I, you know, when I have younger entrepreneurs that sometimes, uh, you know, are slightly impatient, right. Because we get hit with social media and we see the, you know, the same five, six companies being spoken in the news all the time, the Twitters and the, and the metas. And mm-hmm. it's like, well, when, when's my turn? And when, when, when am I going to, you know, go to the moon, so to speak? And it's like, you have to be patient. It takes mm-hmm. time, right? Like, first of all, some of these companies that were kind of hits, call it overnight, they're not really overnight. Even a guy like Mark Zuckerberg, I mean, he started, you know, building, creating tools and pro- products when he was, you know, uh, 12 or 13 years old, right? So by the time... He's in his early twenties. He's already spent ten years developing his mindset and 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 you know the sort of uh, the builder mindset. You know that still takes time. Um, and then you know some of these folks have been extremely brilliant in the sense that you know as an entrepreneur you have to know at every given time as you improve your skill set you have to know at this current moment in time here are my strengths here are my weaknesses how do I cover my weaknesses with the right people, with the right team, with the right community. That's critical for your success because nobody does it alone. You do it as a group. You do it as, a, as an entity, as a, as, as a community. And those, I find that sort of miss the mark of really being honest with, with themselves of where the superpowers and where they need coverage. That's where things can also go, go awry. But again, with time, we learn. We learn to quiet the ego. We learn to... Uh, you know, be more honest with ourselves. We also, through trial and error, come to the realization of what we're super good at, what needs work, what needs development, where we need things that we like, things that we like less, where do we fit in a business as it keeps growing, right? So these are, it, it, it's a beautiful practice of, of self-awareness uh, to be an entrepreneur. And so that's, you know, that's one of the reasons I, I, I very much love this, this profession. And I think, as you said, um, right at the beginning there, that um adaptation is is key and i think you know by not adapting or, or changing you can you can stagnate and there are many examples of businesses that, that have and um, you know by not adapting and just going back to the baby to adolescent analogy you, nobody wants to keep you know stay in the, the crawling um phase you want to grow and, right. and um i think it's, it's really important as you said to, to embrace all of that so Continuing on with um, challenges, did, did you face any challenges to your business or businesses um, during 2019-20 and how did you overcome these challenges? Challenges? No, none at all. It was absolutely smooth sailing. This is, uh, I'm, I'm kidding, of course. Not sure what happened in 2019 um, and 20. Not talked about it enough. <laughs> Well, I mean, I mean, you mentioned a time period which, which certainly, uh, you know, brought about a certain degree of turbulence, right? I think we're we're, we're all too aware of, of of the damages and the and the impact that you know COVID nineteen had on on the economy, on people's health and, and well being. Um, and so, as an entrepreneur, I, in two thousand nineteen, I started when I acquired um, at the time branded as Flixo Studios. Um, which was the agency I started under Flixo.com and, and now uh, this Monday. And so, you know, that was, a, that was a pretty big undertaking for me personally as an entrepreneur. It was taking that, that big next step and saying, okay, you know, now I'm sort of, you know, branching out on my own and I'm going to do this 
you know, this, this thing with this, this agency and then leverage all my years of, of, of knowledge around, you know, mobile, and, uh, you know, tech and, and, and all this good stuff and share that, that knowledge. And then 2020 comes around and we have a global pandemic. And so uh, that was a huge challenge because in, in, I would say in a period of, you know, four to six weeks, um, you know, 80 to 90% of our clients, you know, called and said, well, uh, Mark, we're going to have to reduce, um, you know, our output. Um, and usually when there's, when there's any form of, you know, market, you know, constriction, um, you know, comms is one of the things that starts to get, you know, cut, you know, public relations goes and then people start spending less on media and then, you know, marketing both in-house, well, well first externally. So if there's agencies that are involved in the ecosystem yeah. that gets cut, then in-house personnel, and we certainly felt that we were, you know, we were, we were part of uh, some of those cuts. So, I mean, luckily we had a lot of great clients that, that believed in us and, and, and had such wonderful relationships. So a lot of accounts diminished. It's not as if the, you know, the, the contracts or agreements were severed, but, you know, we, it was an 80 to 90% uh, reduction uh, in output. So from an economic standpoint, from a cash flow, cash flow standpoint, you know, we talk about adapting. We had to adapt very quickly. Um, and that was a period that was certainly difficult because it's never fun to furlough, um, you know, your employees, your community, it's never fun to let people go, but you have to think of, well, the entity as a whole has to survive. And so there's a period in 20, in early 2020, uh, where we were very much in, in survival mode, I think as, as, as you know, many, uh, enterprises globally were, um, but again, um, we, we adapted and we pivoted. And I think one of the reasons why we were, we got out of that very, very strong is because we had, we had diversified, you know, uh, mm -hmm. from the onset in 2019, we had a good diversification between tech. We had started to plant seeds in the web three crypto blockchain vertical. Uh, we had started planting some seeds in, in the consumer packaged goods. And so it, it's, it's that diversification that enabled us to uh, weather the storm, so to speak. Uh, we didn't have our, you know, our, our liabilities, not as if we were fully leveraged into one particular space and we were consequently, you know, very, very exposed. Um, so that certainly helped us to survive, but yes, absolutely. We were hit, we were hit across the board. I mean, I think regardless of the industry you were in, you were, you were greatly affected, but at the time, contrary to right now, uh, web three, for example, crypto blockchain was on the rise. So despite uh, you know, how the pandemic was affecting a lot of traditional businesses, brick and mortar. If you were leaning very much into the digital space uh, and crypto specifically, well, it was a bull market. And so that is one of the things that uh, enabled us to grow extremely fast, scale very fast. Um, and right now it's sort of like the opposite that the script has been flipped on the Web3 mm -hmm. side where we're entering a bear market. And, you know, I'm sure you're, you're very aware of, of, of the challenges and there's, you know, it's very reminiscent of almost the, the dot-com bubble where we're seeing a domino effect of, of companies, uh, you know, sort of bursting. And there's a lot of, uh, again, firings and furloughing, things yeah. of that nature that are, that are occurring. So again, it's, it's, it's challenging times because the things are, are changing so rapidly. And I can only imagine for entrepreneurs, you know, 2020, you, if you get hit with a pandemic, you're, you're back against, against the wall things sort of improve. And now, and I say crypto is in a tough spot, but you look at traditional markets, you look at the S&P, NASDAQ, I mean, 
you know, that's, that's taken quite a, mm. quite a hit as well. And this all, what, in two years since the original pandemic or two, two and a half, two years and change. So we're certainly living in, in, in very challenging times. And if you're on an entrepreneur, you're, you're certainly being tested because you're, you're not just dealing with your, your internal challenges, you know, call it that you're also, and you're not just dealing with external factors, such as, you know, traditional factors like competition, but now you're, you're dealing with some of these additional variables like pandemics and mm-hmm. uh, now we have a recession and inflation is up. And so, but again, uh, as the saying goes, uh, you know, calm waters uh, don't make for, for great sailors. And so if anything, um, this is, this, this certainly creates a degree of focus or sharpness and, um, you know, you have to hold hands uh, collectively and, 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 you know, create a lot of focus, be very focused and again, we go back to the theme of, of adapting, um, control what you can and then adapt to the realities of the market as much as possible. Mm-hmm. And, and one thing that we know is change is, is constant. And as the pandemic has yeah. shown, we never really know what, what's around around the corner. So it definitely sounds like your business is agile and is able to pivot and, like you said, diversify when needed. How can just moving um, bringing OKRs in, into the conversation? How can agile work together with OKRs, in your opinion? Well, I think innovation is very much rooted in, in in sort of the approach of being agile, right? Agile is all about transparency and clarity, uh, and that's how sort of you know OKRs tie into it. So it's not you know you asked how you sort of you know work together. I mean, they're 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 inherently. Uh, you know, connected. So mm-hmm. the whole idea of OKRs is to sort of reduce the the feedback cycles, and that enables a business to to achieve a degree of agility and flexibility with with a very refined direction. So, you know, I go back to the importance of of, of focus and vision, and you have to adapt your milestones and your and your objectives based on the realities of the market and the circumstances you're in. But a lot of businesses fail to be very clear, and, 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 I, and I speak from the perspective, again, of, of startups, you have to be extremely, extremely clear with what your goals are and why, right? They have to be measurable. You have to be transparent so everybody on your team knows what's going on and why you're doing it. So having that clarity in your objectives and clarity in your key resolve goes hand in hand with the business being agile and the business's overall agility. And, and those sort of two tactics combined together are going to support growth and chance transformation in the long run. And then throw in again, this idea of uh, having agile and agility is to course correct and pivot when necessary. So, mm-hmm. you know, in a startup, if you create too much processes, too much uh, restriction and, and, and rigidness, uh, it's going to be hard to, to adapt and to move. But if there's a lack of focus, because inherently a startup is chaotic, it's messy, right? Inherently that's, you know, to get off the ground into the air is really, really tough and chaotic. Um, so if you don't have any process and you don't have clarity as to what the direction is and why and what is that next milestone we got to get to, which either increases our revenue, uh, enables us to get funding, well, we're going to be in trouble, right? So um, it's, 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 again, it comes back to extre- measurable outcomes, being extremely transparent from a leadership standpoint and, and being very clear and then being okay with changing mm-hmm. that plan, right? We plan so then we can adapt the plan as the variables around us uh, change. 
Yeah, and I think just um, yeah, just to reiterate the having the shared top goals, um, ensuring that everyone is um, aware of how their work, um, you know, links towards those goals, and also helps to retain that that focus. Um, have you faced any difficulties or, or challenges, or do you see any challenges when it comes to using OKRs for innovation? Well. I mean, we, again, we talk about objectives and key results. I, 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 I mean, the challenge I see is, is again, when, when there's, as you start scaling a business, when you start to create too many, for example, when a business, for example, your growth is accelerated, right? You're growing really, really fast. There's sometimes a tendency to then operate in silos. And so communication can get impacted because you're moving so quickly. And when you're moving so quickly, another element that can get impacted is culture. Right? Because as you're growing, as the demand increases, while you're like, I got to hire, 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 I got to scale, 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 that's great. But then if you're, again, your HR processes are not in place, you know, the way your culture is tied to your objectives and, and your key results, right? Because that's a core underlying element that is critical. Well, that can also cause pain uh, to the business. So it's important to manage one's growth in a way to ensure that you're always protecting your culture, which then inherently will ensure that your strategy is being properly executed, which then inherently ensures your objectives and your key results are met, right? So all those things are intertwined and interconnected. And sometimes when a business grows too quickly, people start operating in silos, communication gets impacted. And then we talked about this earlier, transparency goes uh, by the wayside, uh, clarity then gets a little foggier. And again, uh, then our outcomes become more blurry. So as a leadership, which is, again, it's it's a challenge, it's, and especially today, right? Because you're an entrepreneur 40 years ago, it's like, okay, you, you create a certain business, you know, the, the rate of change is, is nowhere like it is today, right? And especially like we play a lot in the Web3 space. I mean, every six months is us, you know, the industry is completely transformed, right? Like what would... We sometimes output in a month is just, you know, probably is what businesses outputted maybe in 12 to 18 months, years and years ago, right? Like, it's incredible the amount of information that a human being processes and outputs today in 2022 versus, you know, colleges, you know, 15, 20 years ago. It's so, so different. So I think, you know, number one is you need to create an infrastructure where you're, you're, you're consistently, consistency in communication is, is, is critical. And I don't mean it from the perspective of, you know, having meetings for the sake of having meetings. If you're having meetings where there's no value added, it's just, you know, we're just putting it on the agenda for, for you know, because we just have to check a box. I mean, that's, that's just wasteful. But not having strategic meetings around, hey, are we meeting those objectives? Um, are we, are we do, where do we need to iterate uh, on a weekly basis, at Funday, we do this on a weekly basis where the leadership, the C-suite, the executives meet constantly to measure, right? To measure and say, like, are we hitting our goals or not? Are we headed in the direction that we set out? Is it the right direction now that market, uh, the environment has changed and circumstances have changed, right? So you have to be constantly and consistently evaluating and reevaluating, um, you know, those processes, um, especially in, in today's very turbulent environments. 
I'm glad you mentioned culture because it's something that I wanted to touch on. Um, actually, I think you've got a really interesting story to tell, and, and your, um, you know, your fast-growing team that you have. And I just wanted to touch on your experience of culture at Funday, mm-hmm. um, and in the previous organisation, and and just tell me a little bit about the culture at, at, at Funday, because I think culture is obviously key, um, and a lot more emphasis has been put on culture especially over what's happened over the past few years and rightly so um so yeah i wanted to touch on on that, on that with you yeah of course so at fun day we have you know this ethos of, of fun and performance um and so i guess you know the next natural question is well what does that really mean and so you know when i was out of college there's something that there's there was a excuse me a, a, a data point that always really really struck me and and so we spend about 70% of our waking time, right? Almost three quarters of our time over the course of our lifespan at work. That's a lot of time. Yeah. And then you have a, you have a little time left over for, um, you know, for some leisure, and then you sleep the rest of the time, essentially, right? And so some folks try and cut down on sleep, and you cut down on sleep, you cut down on your health, you cut down on your productivity. It's just not a good idea. So for me, it was always about, okay, how do I make that three quarters of my time, the majority of my life I will spend it working? How do I ensure that's fun? And when I say fun, it's not fun as in like, we're just having a good time. We're kicking it. We're, you know what I mean? Like we're not, no, no. Fun means we are doing, we are, we are working on things that we're passionate about, mm-hmm. that we care about, that has meaning and purpose. And when you have that level of purpose and meaning and excitement and passion about what you do, it leads to great performance, right? Because if I'm having fun and performing well, and if I'm performing well and we're winning and we're growing, well, I'm having a lot of fun, right? If you take the analogy of sports, I mean, a sports team that's consistently losing, doesn't make the playoffs, you know, there'd be a, a football team or a hockey team or a basketball team. I mean, I don't think they're having that much fun, right? So, I really find those two things, you know, are, are, are inherently locked together. Um, and so what is that specifically, how does that translate within, from a value standpoint within fun day? Well, it means uh, we operate from a place of openness and respect, right? That's really important. We operate from a place of integrity. That's a, that's a, that's a key core value. Collaboration. Right, seek to collaborate with your fellow peers. Again, community wins. Nobody goes in as like the superheroes, Rambo. Like it's a team. Mm -hmm. It's a team. It's a collective. Right. Especially from an agency standpoint. I look at that business. It's like, you know, from onboarding a client to, you know, reaching out to a client, all the steps and touch points by the time you close an account. And then now you have to deliver the work. Like it takes an entire organization from you know, a sales representative to do an initial contact to then, you know, parachuting in the C-suite to then moving into, you know, proposals and pitches and strategy to then winning the account and now delivering on the work and now, you know, retaining the client and growing their business, et cetera. It takes, it takes an entire community to achieve that. And so uh, collaboration is extremely important for us. Um, and, and, and being proud of the work you do, you know, from an agency standpoint, the core of our, of the people that work with us are, are creatives. They're creative individuals. They're individuals that are, 
creative problem solvers. They're people that are, you know, that have extreme artistic tendencies, right? There are people that are called upon to create things from nothing, to create scenarios, to create, uh, you know, commercials and scripts and visual identities. And so it's, it's, it's very creative. The nature of the work is very, very creative. So it's very important that we stick to our values uh, in terms of the kind of work that we're doing so people feel inspired. And again, that they feel the sense of purpose and meaning, which is why, like, for example, in, in, in you know, consumer packaged goods, we work with companies that are, uh, are looking to better their environment, right? So like we work with a great company called Sarabelli.com, which is this innovative baby food product that uh, essentially is really, um, you know, changing the game in terms of, you know, off the shelf convenient baby food that is super healthy. It's backed by science. It's meant to uh, enhance and improve a child's cognitive development in those early months of development. I mean, that's incredible. So we're always looking at companies that are really changing the game for the better, meaning they have a, a positive impact on the environment. They have a positive impact on their consumers. Um, you know, those are, that, that's really, really important. So when we have our creative teams working on a project like that, there's, there's meaning, there's excitement, there's purpose, right? Versus, you know, we're, we're, I don't know, we're pushing some kind of sugared water product, which, you know, aligns a little less with our values and nothing wrong with that. And that's fantastic, right? It's, it's, it's great. It's okay to have a sugar drink from time to time, but the core of the business that we, you know, that we, that we support uh, amongst our clients is, is things that are, you know, traditionally very disruptive alternatives to the market. Uh, a lot of early stage companies, Series B, for example, that are, again, disrupting and changing the game. Those are things that really, really excite us. So it's important from a cultural standpoint that we're very transparent with our community as to our vision. If the vision changes, we ensure that we communicate that, that there's alignment with the type of work we're going after, the type of clients we're going after. So we're not creating a transactional culture right? Where it's just about the money. Oh, let's take this contract. It's really short term. We'll make a lot of money out right on. We'll hire a team. And then once that's done, I will fire people. Like we don't operate like that. Mm, yeah. Because that sends a wrong message to the community. And it's not the kind of environment and the kind of business that we want to build and grow, right? We want our community to trust us, to trust the leadership and vice versa. And so again, that goes back to the value of integrity um, and, and, and transparency. Um, and that's so, so important to us. So that's a little bit of a, uh, I guess, a, a snapshot. And, and, and we've really, I, I, I will say this, you know, one of the challenges certainly has been that, you know, uh, as Funday was, was, was really growing at an accelerated rate during the pandemic, we then consequently have become a fully uh, remote and distributed network. Uh, you know, we are, we, we've got uh, folks in Canada, we got folks in Armenia, we got folks in the United States, in Europe, in Asia. And so that also creates uh, certain challenges uh, in terms of like, well, it's, it wasn't very easy getting everybody all together, you know, hey, let's all meet up in New York or Toronto or, you know, the, there were a lot of restrictions. And so how do you ensure that you, 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 you keep investing in your culture? Well, you got to bring people together. You got to create community. You got to create uh, events and activities and initiatives and and so now as we're, as we're hopefully on the other side of the pandemic, you know, those are things that we're now going to start implementing, but 
uh, you know, having all these different cultures from all over the world under one umbrella is a beautiful thing, but it also had and has its challenges as well. So we've really taken a lot of time to ensure that we support and we learn from our people and we reinvest and we, again, comes back to communication. It comes back to don't operate in silos. So we leverage all the latest technologies, the Zooms, et cetera, you know, to really bring people together, to create activities online as much as possible to, you know, give employees, um, you know, different resources, you know, from mental health resources to uh, personal development resources, um, you know, so they can learn, they can grow. You invest in your your most important capital in an organization is your people, full stop. You can never stop investing in your people. The minute you do that, you're in trouble. And and especially in a service business and in an agency business, because you're only as good as your your top leaders, your creatives. You're only as good as them, right? So it's so important to give them the toolbox, the resources to continuously grow and expand and, and better themselves. And so we've, we, we've taken a tremendous amount of time um, to prioritize that and prioritize our culture, right? Culture isn't just saying, hey, we're going to do a Zoom call and, and just hang out for a few minutes or, or sort of, you know, pre-pandemic. It's like, well, let's, let's you know, let's uh, you know, have, uh, you know, free beer on Fridays and, uh, and then put in a ping pong table. Like that's, that's, I mean, that's, that's surface. That's not, where's the substance, right? Like where are the programs? Where's the, the time spent with people. And, and I think from a leadership standpoint, you know, from a founder standpoint, you have to take the time to create conversations, sit down with people, learn, listen, right. To your community. Um, so we, we've, we've, we've really taken, uh, we've taken that very, very seriously at Funday and, um, and it's been, it's been very, very uh, beneficial. Uh, you know, we get, we get really good feedback and we're constantly listening and we're constantly iterating. Um, and, but I, I would say I would attribute the majority of our success to the fact that the leadership has really spent a lot of time building out programs and structures that support, you know, a, a, global, a global and very diversified, uh, you know, culture at funding. Mm-hmm. I don't think I stopped nodding my head the whole time he, he was talking um, about the culture and, you know, talking about being collaborative, being a community mm-hmm. and passionate. And I think it brings a whole new meaning to work when you're actually passionate about what you do. Um, you know, you don't then have that dread on a Sunday when you're waking up to, to work on a Monday. Um, and also when it comes to, like you said, performance, um, you know, being passionate about what you do and having a collaborative team, your you know, your your goals, your and your your OKRs um, will thrive. If you don't have the culture um, set and the correct culture in place, then unfortunately, that the goals and OKRs are, are definitely deemed to fail. Um, also, I think a quarterly meetup in New York sounds fab, but obviously not very uh, viable. Um, but no, we're, yeah, we're, we're massive on, on culture here. So everything that you were saying there, um, it, it sounds great. And I was nodding, ahead, nodding my head along to, to everything. Um, and yeah, culture is king. Um, you should definitely, as you said, invest in, in your colleagues. Finally, I wanted to ask, this is quite a broad question, but 
if you could share some advice for our listeners that might be struggling with keeping up, that they might be um, an entrepreneur, um, keeping up with this fast-changing world that we live in, mm-hmm. and, and especially the increase in um, technology change, which I know you, your finger is definitely on that, mm. <laughs> on that pulse. Um, so, yeah, any bits of advice that you can give? You know what? I, here, here, here's something that's really helped me, not just in my, uh, not even just my entrepreneurial career, but uh, since I was really a, a little boy, to be quite honest. You know, my, my parents introduced me to, you know, tutors when I was very, very young um, because they always wanted to sort of push me and to kind of, you know, get a little bit of a, you know, immigrant parents, you know, come to North America. Okay, let's give our son a, an edge and let's give him tutors. And so he can always get ahead. And, 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 and what I loved about that growing up was, you know, I saw these people as my coaches, mm. right? They were like a coach to me because we would do all the stuff that I had to do for school. And then they were like, okay, now the next challenge, I want you to, you know, prepare this for me or, you know, write an essay on this or something that you love or something that's outside of the curriculum, but always pushing me and also guiding me within the existing system and the existing college, you know, goals that I had to reach within sort of call it the traditional schooling system at the time. And so that always marked me because A, I had the ability to, when I was, you know, outside of school to sort of like, okay, I felt in a safe, safe place. Um, You know, when you're going from grade to grade, it's like such a big change when you're going grade two to grade three, it's like, whoa, it's such a expansion and lift. So having someone that you could lean on for guidance, for advice um, was, was just incredible, you know, for, for my personal development. And so now fast forward to, you know, 20, 20, 25 years later, I've really taken a similar approach uh, in terms of how do I, you know, again, quiet my ego, remain calm, remain focused, uh, manage anxiety, stress. Uh, you know, as entrepreneurs, we, we get overwhelmed sometimes. But you get overwhelmed in, with, with success and you get overwhelmed when things aren't going well either, right? It's sort of, you know, both extremes. So having a coach... That resource, someone that's subjective, that's not in your business day in, day out, to say, okay, well, here's some best practices. Okay, you're going through this hard, hard time. All right, let's, let's take a step back. Let's refocus. Here's what you know, I want you to do this week. Okay, cool. That grounds you. That creates focus. That sort of relieves some of the stress and anxiety. So I, I, that's one of the things that I would recommend for entrepreneurs that are, are going through, whether you're going in turbulent times or not. I think that's something that is that is of such value. Um, and, and let's say maybe you can't afford a coach because in your early days, well, then find those mentors. Bring those people into your businesses and create an advisory board, right? Create an advisory group and then leverage those people's knowledge and, and experience to help guide you. Ask them questions, right? Um, I, I've done that throughout both the last you know, two, two businesses, whether it's Flixo.com, Flixo Studios, or, or Funday. I have consistently surrounded myself um, with people that I that I regard as as advisors, as mentors, as coaches, and that has um, that has really helped me, um, you know, grow, um, achieve my my objectives and key results over the years, um, and and it's provided me a support that fundamentally what gives me confidence, and with confidence I have a great energy, and with that great energy, well. 
I create movement. I create things because as an entrepreneur, what you don't want to do is you get overwhelmed, you get hit, you get impacted. And then what happens? You curl up in a ball, you, you, you stiffen up and you're, you know, and, and you don't move. The last thing you want to do as an entrepreneur is stand still. You can't stand still. You got to keep moving. And as a founder, your community, your organization feeds off your energy, feeds off your vision, feeds off your enthusiasm, right? Those things are contagious. So it's, you know, the mental aspect of this profession is so tough because when things are not going well, you can't show up to meetings with your the tail between your two legs because you have an entire organization that is looking towards the leadership saying, all right, what's next? How do we get out of this? So you have to come with solutions. You have to come with creativity. You have to come, right? And so how do you make sure that your energy is you know, at a certain level and degree where you can then output that firepower and inspire your community, you know, day in, day out. And, and what helps is having those coaches. Um, and, and, and I would even say a certain degree of, of um, you know, one, one has to really guard their mental health and all this, right. It can get really, really tough. So having a coach that can, you know, or call it a, you know, executive therapist or whatever terminology you want to use where, you know, we talk about the mental health aspects and then we talk about how do we get the business back on track or, how do we course correct? Having that sounding board has been, it, it, it really has been the differentiator for me personally. So, you know, some people may regard that as a, oh, you, you know, even as a kid, like, oh, you had a tutor, but you were not doing well, you were, you, you had a, a weakness. It's like, no, it was not weakness. It was how do we build a strength? How do we get ahead? How do we lean on someone else's experience to weather the storms? Right. Same thing like today. Now, now mental health is, is being talked about and going to therapy is no longer perceived as some sort of like, oh, you're of an illness or something's wrong. It's like, well, no, if you if, if you hurt yourself physically, well, you go see a doctor, there's nothing wrong. Well, you know, the mind is also requires nurturing and support and, 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 and health and, and care. And now it's it's, you know, I'm glad that that conversation is now no longer, you know, considered taboo. So I, so I, I encourage everyone to lean into those resources, find those resources, because they will make the difference. It's sort of like in sports, and I'll, and I'll conclude with this final analogy, like you take a sport like tennis, you know, the top 50, 100 players, they, they can all hit that forehand, that backhand up the line, they can hit that, you know, serve down the middle, no problem. But why is it it's only the top 10 that are in the top 10 and that make the big money. And well, it, because it's a mental game, their mental game, their mental strength is at another level, right? Everybody at that level has great technique, but what differentiates that, that, you know, one to 5% or 10%. It's what's going on between your two years, right? It's that ability to be present. It's that ability to, you know, be in a state of flow, and it's hard to be in the state of flow when there's constant chaos. So how do you embrace the chaos, right? How do you become one with it? Because through chaos, right, there's conflict, there's friction, but from that comes creativity, from that come solutions. So again, it's about protecting your center and protecting your mind. And I find uh, leveraging those coaches um, becomes can become a superpower. So that, that would be my, my piece of advice. I think that's a really, really good piece of advice. And I think, like you said, it's having that external party outside of, you know, the, the business 
that can give you that guidance and, and the advice you know they don't have any relationship to, to your organization and they're there to you know listen and, and advise and I think um, also going back to what you first spoke about um, and this isn't the same as obviously the, the coaching but building the sort of network around you because there could be other entrepreneurs that are finding you know the same the same sort of problems um but yeah i think the, the coaching the third party support um sounds like a, a real worthwhile piece of you know investment i know you mentioned some people it might be quite costly but in the long run it sounds like it can definitely have massive amounts of, of benefit um, to those interesting you mentioned tennis as one would have started here today in the UK but but yeah um, no thank you Mark oh, has, has Wimbledon started already? today yeah today is what day is it today? Monday I've yeah, always, so I, you know you know, I have not had the privilege to go to Wimbledon yet but no, I will make that I a have. priority I really I really want to yeah. put that on your list and your goals <laughs> Thank Absolutely. you um, so much, Mark, for joining me for an episode of Giant Talk. It's been it really interesting to talk to you, and I'm sure that our listeners will can get a lot out of this conversation. Um, so thank you so much for taking the time. And thank you to you, our listeners, for joining us for another episode of Giant Talk. As always, if you have any feedback or you would like to get in touch, you can email us at growth at Thank you again. <laughs>